Here's what's ahead of us today on Abounding Grace. The way you view your ministry helps to determine how you'll fulfill it. The way you view your ministry, having the right perspective, if it's a drudgery, if you're not motivated by love, if you aren't seeing the benefits and the fruit, how you view your ministry is going to determine how you fulfill it. If the ministry is seen as a heavy burden, then you're going to lay that heavy burden on everyone around you. Just something I don't want to do. If you see it as a heavy burden instead of the true privilege that it is, then your perspective will lead you to do just the bare minimum. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You From Calvary Church, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll get back into our study of 2 Corinthians in just a bit. Find your place in chapter 4. It's been said most people wish to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. How about you? Are you involved in serving Jesus and going about it with the right heart? Do you see it as the privilege that it really is? Pastor Ed will help us develop a servant's heart today in this, his message, Using the Bible the Right Way. There were times when Paul was faced with losing heart in ministry. It wasn't easy for him then, many times, and it's not easy for us now. Any one of us that is sparked and moved by the Spirit to serve others will come face-to-face with losing heart from time to time. I mean, I'm not just talking about losing heart in life. That's common, too. Losing heart in what's going on in our lives in various seasons. Losing heart when discouragement comes, as we have learned over the past many weeks. Losing heart when people may come against us. Losing heart when disappointments come. Losing heart when difficulties arise. Losing heart when we're not clear and confusion comes and there's a lack of clarity. But also on top of that, losing heart in the ministry in serving others. He would write to the Galatian believers, you can jot it down in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, he said, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. To the Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, he tells the church there, but as for you, brethren, don't grow weary in doing good. And now in verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, therefore, this is 2 Corinthians, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, notice he says, we do not lose heart. And so the question is, how many of you want to be used of God to make a difference? I don't need to ask for hands or anything. I know that that's the heart of every believer. Whether it's really surfaced in your life right now or not, that's the heart of every true believer where you sense, man, not only do I want to have a love relationship with God, but I also want to have a love relationship with my neighbor. I want to be a conduit, a vessel for God to use me. Well, when you step out in faith, wanting to be used of God, you need to understand. You need to understand that the temptation of losing heart is always around the corner. 
You want to know why? Ministry and difficulties go hand in hand. It's not easy to serve the Lord, and it's not easy to serve people, and all sorts of difficulties await you. Some I can give you a heads up on, and others, they're unique to you in the situation of your life. So much so that it's easy to lose heart and thus lose passion and fall back into a pattern of laying low and kicking back and cruising along and not truly pressing in but accepting, accepting the life of, well, I love Jesus, so I'm not really too happy with other people that follow Jesus and I'm definitely not too concerned about the lost, but... I'll lay low for a while. Paul the Apostle faced just about every single difficulty that you can possibly imagine in his commitment to serve the Lord. It wasn't any surprise because you can jot it down back in Acts chapter 9. The message was sent to Saul of Tarsus, to this new, newly converted Saul of Paul, that says, I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for my namesake. That should be over every person. That should be the very first piece of paper. I think that's what we're going to start doing right there on the beginning of the ministry application. We just want you to know, just like Paul, when you fill this out and you step out to serve and you're going to give your hands to and you're going to obey God and you're going to match him. Because, you know, the Bible says in Second Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro. I mean, searching out, you could say, if we were to read that today, the eyes of the Lord are going through this room right now, out into the airwaves, around those that are listening just to this Bible study alone, let alone all of the known earth of people that are following God, and he's looking for those that he can show himself strong on behalf of, that he can use. And when that's matched with the person that wants to be used, then whether you're serving here in the church right there on our application, just right here, just understand, you are asking to suffer. Well, I don't want to serve then. Then you're missing out. So I'm going to avoid suffering by never serving. That's not going to happen. You're going to suffer double. One for disobedience and the other for just living life because you're going to suffer tribulation anyway. So you've got the difficulties of life. You've got the difficulties of ministry. And a lot of people, a lot of you, have chosen not to step into service, not to make a commitment, to hold back your gifts and talents because you think you're doing yourself a favor. You're actually heaping on more tribulation on yourself because you're not obeying God with your gifts and talents. They're not even yours anyways. It's like God gives you a gift, you're going to hold it to yourself, but you were given, given a spiritual gift to bless the body, to bless the world. You don't belong to yourself anymore. And if you were to fill out an ministry application, that is what we would need to tell you even in the interview. You know, it's not going to be easy, especially here at this church. It's not easy. It has been a nonstop crazy ride from the moment we landed in Colorado. It, there, there haven't been a lot of calm moments in the ministry of Calvary here in Aurora, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's been challenging and trying and difficult. We've had our fair shares of ups and more than our fair share, I think, of downs. We have had, you know, great success. We've had great failure. We've had tremendous open doors and we faced a few closed doors along the way. And quite frankly, I'd have it no other way. Why, why, is, there, why is there any reason to live if you're not serving Jesus? If you're not loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and what? Loving your neighbor as yourself. You're missing out if you don't find yourself in a place of caring and we're learning that in our study of Nehemiah, right? It just took one man to care. And once he cared, everything changes for a, it changed for a city that had lied, laid dormant for years. 
broken walls as if that's okay to have broken walls. It's all, you know, what's wrong with the walls? Oh, they've been broken forever. What do you mean they've been broken forever? Who's going to fix them? And you find that wall represents broken lives. And you go, well, you know, cities filled with broken lives. Yeah, they're broken. What are we going to do about them? Yeah, what are we going to do? You're going to shine the light of the gospel right in the midst of the most difficult, hard situations that can come up. And certainly, many of you have been drawn to Jesus because of the brokenness of your life. He's used that in your life. He's taken times of great failure and he's turned them around for times of great good so that he gets the glory. For many of you, he allowed you to live your life as long as you desired to live your life, do your own thing. He would always woo you and lead you and he'd send people into your life with the gospel, draw you to himself and over and over again you resisted until finally, finally you recognize that the control of your life really does belong to your creator who sent his own son Jesus to die for you. Sacrifice. A sacrifice like no other that we've ever experienced in our lives so that our sins could be forgiven and the weight of guilt could be removed and our eternity could be secure. And while we await that wonderful reuniting with our Savior, we have the privilege and the joy of serving him in much trial and in much tribulation. And as we know, in the last days, it won't get easier. It will get much more difficult. Now... Take that video, and how is that for a recruiting video for service? (laughs) But you need to know the truth. Service isn't glamorous. It isn't about who's most popular, who sells the most books, who has the most popular, largest church, or whatever things, or who gets the most attention, who gets the most thank yous, who gets the most pats on the back. If you really want to see the effectiveness of your servant, you can measure it in two ways. Change lives and difficulties in yours. You go, well, Ed, I spent my whole life trying to avoid difficulty. That's why there's not a lot of changed lives around yours. Because you won't allow God to change you and use the difficulties in your life to make you a trophy of the grace of God so people are just gravitating toward you because of the light of Jesus shining in you. Paul, you can see for yourself in 2 Corinthians we've seen, we're going to learn that the brother went through all sorts of things and part of it, what it did with his life is it opened his heart to us. 2 Corinthians is all about the heart of a pastor, a heart of a leader, a heart of a true servant and he says we have this ministry in verse 1. You could circle the word ministry and you can write next to it, people. There is no ministry that doesn't involve people. Jesus died for people. He didn't die for buildings. He didn't die for names. He didn't die for legacies. He didn't die for movements. Jesus died for you individually. We have this ministry. Now that word therefore in verse 1 of chapter 4, whenever you come across the word therefore when you're studying through the scriptures, remember that it's pointing to something else. Or another way of thinking of that, when you see the word therefore, we have to ask what it's there for. You can ask that question because it's a connecting word. It's connecting. It's unfortunate that the Bible is broken up into chapters and verses. You know that it wasn't, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't until 1227 
that Stephen Langton divided the Bible up into chapters, and it was in 1551 that Robert Stephanus added the verses. So in many cases, it's really, really good, the divisions that they put in, but sometimes they shouldn't have divided it right where they did because they go together. This is one of those times where the end of chapter 3 really should just keep flowing like it would in the original Greek, just keep flowing as one long letter. So remember chapter 3, verse 18. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's glorious transformation we don't quite see yet. It's not entirely clear. We have this unveiled face. We're seeing the glory, but we're being changed. Glory to glory. In another place, strength to strength. He says, just as by the Spirit of the Lord, therefore... Because of the change, because of the work of God in you, because he's using all things together, working them all together according to his good, for his good, therefore, we have the ministry, we've received mercy, we don't lose heart. You just read it straight through. God's changing us from the inside out. From good to good, not from bad to bad. Sometimes you look at the life, the change in your life, you look at it the wrong way. So God's changing me from worse to worse. No, 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 no. No, it's from glory to glory. The work of God in our lives. We've received this ministry of the unveiled face. Remember what we learned last week, what that represents? The new covenant. The covenant of grace. This new ministry, not of the letter of the law, but of the spirit, the freedom of the spirit. The indwelling, the changed heart from the inside out. Therefore, we receive this ministry, the unveiled face ministry. The glory of God ministry. What a blessing to serve Jesus. Another word you can write next to ministry besides people is service. Serving. That's the ministry. That's what ministry is. Serving people. The call to the ministry is a call to serve people. The privilege of ministry is the privilege of serving people. Serve, serve. I mean serve. Some of you in the condition of your life in the world, your occupation you can really describe serving because you work in what they call the service corridor, the sector, the service sector. For many, many years, that's where I worked. I worked in a a dispatch call center office where we were just taking calls constantly, just constantly, and a lot of them were happy. Some of them were very desperate because I worked for an ambulance company, and, and some of them were very upset, and we're just serving people, and that's all we were to do is serve them and take care of them, serve them and take care of them, but by the time they hung up, they were well served and well taken care of whatever they needed. If they needed an ambulance, they needed to go to, a, to the billing center, and then they needed to take care of them, service. Some of you are, that's all you do all day is serve, 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 serve. And what happens? There are those times when you want to just turn it off, don't you? You're just like, well, who's going to serve me? Oh, come on. You don't think that? Not one person, huh? You know, you airline attendants and you phone answers and you delivers and post office folks and whatever, all the service, you waiters and waitresses, serve, 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 serve. Who's going to serve me? Nobody. Because Jesus has given his life for you. And he's given your life so that you and I will serve, serve, serve. That with every meal you waitress, you waiter that serves, you're serving the Lord. With every person on the plane, you're serving. With every phone call, like Paul would write to the Colossians, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. 
because that's the one that we serve. God has made you a servant. And I would even say that he's making us a servant, even in the times, because that's just another way of saying, you know, when I don't want to serve, that's just another way of saying this. I'm losing heart, Ed. I'm losing heart. I'm tired. I just spent 12 hours serving. Who's going to serve me? But when there is a a group of men and women, when they're all serving one another, it's not even an issue. He's just, I'm here to serve you, you're here to serve me, and God is my strength. I don't lose heart. We're all in the ministry too, by the way. We all have a calling to live for Jesus in this dark world. The ministry is a gift given to us because of God's mercy. And yet with all the different things we may do for Jesus, there is truly only one ministry, and that's found in him, his ministry to us. It's interesting in verse 1. We're not going to cover many verses, so I want to stop at 1 and help you with a few things. But the, 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 it's interesting how Paul connects ministry and mercy and losing heart or service and mercy and confidence. You know, when he says we don't lose heart, he's, you could say the opposite of that. We're confident, we're strong, we're hanging in there. He says because of ministry, because of mercy, we're strong. Because of ministry, because of mercy, we're strong. Because of ministry, because the privilege of serving, because of mercy, because of mercy, we don't receive what we deserve. That's mercy. You know the difference between grace and mercy? And judgment. Judgment, very easy. Judgment is getting what you deserve. Judgment. Grace, grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. You know, when you were kids, maybe you're wrestling around and they, you got pinned down and they're about ready to knock you out. What do you cry out? Give me judgment. I deserve it. Slam me. Kick me. Knock me out. No way. You're crying out mercy. Mercy. I want mercy. Because of service, because the Lord's allowed us to serve and entrusted us to serve, that our lives can now make a difference for someone else. Because of mercy, because when we look at God and we have our relationship with him, we don't receive. We don't receive what we deserve. We don't lose heart. I just want you to put that together and maybe pray through that in your own life. Here's an important key to understand. The way you view your ministry helps to determine how you'll fulfill it. The way you view your ministry, having the right perspective, if it's a drudgery, if you're not motivated by love, if you aren't seeing the benefits and the fruit, how you view your ministry is going to determine how you fulfill it. If the ministry is seen as a heavy burden, then you're going to lay that heavy burden on everyone around you. It's just something I don't want to do. If you see it as a heavy burden instead of the true privilege that it is, then your perspective will lead you to do just the bare minimum, if that. Just the bare minimum, just enough to get, get it done so I can be done and out of here. Be done and away from here. Just be done, the bare minimum. That's even in good times. What about in the tough times? If that same perspective in the tough times, that's when people throw in the towel and take it upon themselves. Let me say this, if I haven't already. Ministry is hard. What did I say ministry was? Serving 
People, serving people. So when you think of ministry, think of it, serving people. You think somebody's called a minister, they are a people servant. That's what that word means. It's not a high title, it's not reverend, it's not most important, most holy. A minister is what? A people servant. That's what a minister is. So it is very, very hard to serve people. It's very, very hard to serve people. It's very, very hard to be a people servant. Very difficult. Paul wrote, if you just turn back one page or so, depending on how big, you know, how many pages in just in chapter one of verse eight. This is just, this is already, he hasn't even gotten into the, gotten into the details of what he's experienced. But just in verse 8 of chapter 1, he said, For we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our, which came to us in Asia, that we were beyond measure. That's good, two words. That's all right, I was testing you. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. I want you to read the rest of this. We're going to read the rest of the verse together. Ready? So that we even of life. Does that sound easy to you? I would say that very few of us in the ministry have gotten as far as Paul here. That's his perspective. Difficult. We already see that he had opportunity and opportunity. Let's get a sneak peek. Turn over to chapter 7, would you? Chapter 7. Just a sneak peek of how Paul gave perspective on his ministry. It says in verse 5 there in chapter 7. Well, verse 4, he says at the end, I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. This is a minister of the gospel, guys. This is someone that has taken the word of God in hand. He's serving people. And he says, oh, I was joyful in all my tribulation. For indeed, verse 5, when we came to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comfort us by the coming of Titus. It's, it's tough, and we go on and on. There's, you can read the rest of the, read ahead in 2 Corinthians. You see many things that the brother went through. But Paul still saw the ministry as a merciful gift to him. Man didn't give it to him. The church didn't give it to him. It was a gift from God himself. And because of ministry, the privilege of serving people, and because of the mercy of God, not receiving what he deserved, it was motivation, I'm not losing heart. This is all worth it. It's all worth it. The tribulation, the outside conflicts, the inside fears, the hesitancies, the, 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 the difficulties that, you know, I, I see throughout the scriptures that even as, as we see men and women expressing themselves, one of the things we don't see is God removing all this stuff from them. They go through it. We go through the valley of the shadow of death. We go through it. Sometimes faster, sometimes slower, but we go through it, and we go through it with the shepherd. Ministry's hard. And don't forget Paul here. Don't forget, with all that's being said, don't forget what's happening here. What's he doing in 2 Corinthians? He's defending himself. The church that God used him, where we just saw last time, that they were the proof of his ministry. They wanted all these letters from him because it wasn't uncommon uh, for letters to be carried uh, to prove ministry because there was a lot of itinerant people. Paul himself wrote letters. Um, but they were saying, you know what? You don't have any letters in combination. Paul, who are you? Why do you take this upon yourself? You don't care. You're not true. You're a liar. You are taking advantage of the, all the things they were coming against him. And Paul says, no, no, no. You're my proof of ministry. You're my letter. How could you listen to them? How could you listen to what they said? I was there with you. It was there 18 months, pouring into your family, praying with your kids. We went out there to minister to your friend. I mean, he could go on and on and on. On top of all that, he's under attack here. That's this section of really defending himself from people that didn't even know him coming against him. 
What you heard today on Abounding Grace is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series taken from the book of 2 Corinthians. Hear it again online at calvaryco.church. Look under sermons and then do a search for today's passage in 2 Corinthians. And you can also listen to Pastor Ed through our apps. Both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado apps will pop up when you search for Calvary Aurora. And we'd really like to hear from you this summer. It's helpful to know how these studies are impacting your life, and that would be a real encouragement to Pastor Ed and the team. And if you're in need of prayer, please leave your requests, too. There's a place to contact us at calvaryco.church by email or call 877-30-GRACE. Abounding Grace is supported by listeners just like you, and we're extremely grateful for those that come alongside of us with either a one-time gift or ongoing support. We'd like to say thanks today for a gift of $25 or more by sending you the Quick Scripture Reference for Counseling by John Cruis. This is a handy reference tool for those times when someone comes to you with a problem or a question. You'll be able to open this guide and quickly find the scriptures that best relate to the issue they're dealing with. It's great for counselors, pastors, or really any Christian. So call us at 877-30-GRACE or visit us online at calvaryco.church. Put a bookmark where we left off in 2 Corinthians and come back next time when we'll continue the study with Pastor Ed Taylor. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 